0: All right, everyone, welcome to Episode 9 of The Great Divide. This is Tom Kirchival in America, Svein Hjordhug in Norway. And once again, we have our special guest with us from Parts Unknown, and his name is John Gouveia. So how you doing, John?
1: Pretty good. Uh, just, uh, just come back from vacation. Uh, anything new going on? No, not really.
0: I mean, we just did our last episode um talking about the stuff that happened in the non-barren barren years of Big Country and it's like nothing's really going on right now. It's kind of status quo.
1: Oh, great. Yeah, just uh looking forward to talking about the uh, Mike Peters years and going forward from there.
0: Yeah, yeah. And can't wait to see what uh what the band is up to with uh especially with Tony and seeing what he's going to contribute <laughs> to the new I'm, album.
2: I'm yeah, sure I, Ian has plans. Oh, yeah? Is, is that true? Yeah, I think Ian has great, great plans for Tony and Big Country.
0: I, I think you're right. I think I heard something about that. And like an American tour and and the end of all typos on, on all products <laughs> released. I, w- I
2: wouldn't go that far. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right. Uh, obviously, we are making light of what is kind of a big deal in big country land, as you all know. Obviously, um, as we said in the last episode, we recorded that right before all of this news about Tony and Ian and Bruce and everything else broke. So when we recorded the last episode, we really didn't know what was going on, although one of us kind of had an idea. But uh, we we found out after the fact that, you know, Tony might be leaving and, and – um, you know, we did, but we didn't know the extent of the, the the turmoil with Ian and everything else. So, as we all know, there have been big changes actually in Big Country. Tony Butler is no longer in the band; he decided to retire. Um, reasons for that are up to speculation, I guess. Uh, Derek Forbes, ex Simple Minds, is taking his place, and uh, even the bigger news still the big news still comes. Uh, Ian Grant is no longer associated with the band, so. Uh, we're going, to, we're going to talk about all of this more in detail as we go along in the show. We're going to kind of go back to the chronological order, and then we'll get to this in more detail as the show progresses. So you got to keep listening. But we, we'd be remiss if we didn't at least bring it up. So just briefly, if we could go around and talk about our reactions to this. I mean, uh, Svein, what, what did you think about all of this happening? I mean, and again, we'll talk about it more later too, but just what are your initial reactions?
2: Initial reactions. Yeah. Uh... Ian Grant didn't shock me. Right. There's been rumblings, and I think uh, Bruce has been uh, more than honest on the bulletin board and in discussions. If you kept half an eye on that, you'd see that there were rumblings of discontent. So uh, that was uh, sort of half expected in my mind. Uh, I saw something happening there. Uh, Tony obviously was a big blow. I um, wouldn't say it came directly out of nowhere tony has always been the one who's the most hesitant to continue after stewart died he went out and said you know this is done it's finished and uh, uh, he took a long time to do music outside of big country as well even though he released some solo efforts he retired from music several times and even before stewart died he retired from big country so he's been the one who had to be pulled back in and lured back in for the 2007 reunion right and kind of have the feeling he was sort of halfway in halfway out but uh, uh, I guess it's more the way it happened and uh, uh, clearly you know everything has a connection and uh, Bruce saying on the bulletin board he has a hard time working with Ian Grant in the future they can't work with him anymore. Uh, Tony at the same time coming out saying Actually, Ian is an old friend, and he will still represent me. So that is a clear divide in the band, and you can only speculate how much of it was down to that. But
0: uh, some might yeah, call it a some might call it a great divide.
2: <laughs> I think that word's taken. <laughs> we stole it, and they can't take it back. No, but uh, but indeed, you know, it's um, you can't avoid that. You know, obviously, Bruce came out and said we can't work with this guy no longer, and. Tony feels different. So uh, I don't know if it's purely down to that, and we're we're not going to speculate and put words in anyone's mouth, but uh, that is out there, and Tony didn't really give him the reason. He said, you know, the only thing I have to say is that uh, I'm done with the band. So he didn't exactly give uh, reasons like, you know, it's time, you know, I'm content. uh, You know, it's been – he's kind of saying that, but you get the feeling there's more. Uh, But um, I'm hearing that they're all – happy with each other, that there's no bad feelings. And uh, that's obviously important. It, it would be worse if uh, if there was open war going on. And uh, I don't have the feeling it's open, at least. So, um, yeah, but, but that's a blow. And uh, when I first heard Tony leaving, oh, my God, what now? You know, Tony, to me, after Stuart died, was the heart and soul of the band in many ways. He keeps his heart on his sleeve. Uh, not sure, you know, how to go on whether to go on and uh, to me bruce is more pragmatic he's the guy who buckles and says right we'll do this and uh, maybe get things done whereas tony is more you know emotion uh, right. based in uh, in his approach there so uh you know i have every faith that you know obviously this happened some weeks ago at this point so we're not right out of the big shock and uh, and stunned <laughs> phase but um uh, yeah, it's
1: it's gonna be a big change.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. What about you? J- what about you, John?
1: Just fine's point and he he uh, stated it very well. Uh, there doesn't seem to be any hard feelings. The fact that Tony still put it out there that he'd be more than happy to help master the the new album kind of puts it out that he's not cutting ties with the band. This he's just change, changing his role, and the one comparison i could make and if anybody out there is a uh, fan of boxing remember uh, sugar ray leonard uh retired and unretired several times uh coming back and i can and given the point that uh, Spina already pointed out that prior to stewart's passing tony had retired from the band once before and i'd like to think that at some point tony may have second thoughts and i would like to think that the doors uh, open for him
0: yeah, exactly. I would like to think that too. Um, but then, you know, we gotta we gotta wonder, and we'll talk about Derek Forbes as we go on too. But gotta wonder what his feeling is in this. I mean, um, you know, he, I'm sure he probably doesn't want to step into a situation where he could just be asked to leave at any given moment. Again, True. you know, I, I guess for me, the the whole thing that's that's more difficult about that made this whole thing so much more difficult is the fact that there's any sort of uh, infighting within the band. And I know that they seem to be. At, in a good place, at least they're saying the right things, and and it seems like the biggest point of struggle is with Ian. And um, yeah, I got to say that you know I've 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 mellowed over this as the last couple weeks have gone on, but initially I was just kind of angry. I was just kind of angry at all of them, just like, you know, how could you guys let this thing spiral out of control? You're on the precipice of doing something, at least what appears to me, something that seems to be really uh, really good for the band and the band's legacy. I mean, I, I really never thought that they could do anything without Stewart that would be uh, as good as the past, and it certainly would never be the same, and it's never going to probably affect me the way that it did with Stewart. But as we'll talk about these new songs and what they're doing with Mike, I mean, I'm, I'm really motivated by it. I think it sounds really good. I think the new songs are better than what I thought they would be, to be honest with you. And um, so it was just kind of a blow to see, oh, man, you know, one of the band members is accusing the manager of Shady something or other that we don't really know the 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 um, details about, and then you know he comes on the website and says some things that are really kind of shocking about Ian and then Tony comes on and says Ian's his friend, as fine pointed out, and Tony even posted a message later saying you know that seemed to seem to be in reference to Bruce saying, I wish we wouldn't air our dirty laundry in public and so it it was kind of disappointing to think that you know you ha you have these ridiculous uh, delusions, I guess, as a fan that your favorite band or whatever all, all uh, you know, live together in pure friendship and harmony all the time and share exactly the same vision. And You know, as, as one, one of the things that they said on their Facebook q and A, I don't know who said it, but uh, I'm assuming it was probably Bruce. They just said, you know, when a band's been together for 30 years, you're going to have some problems occasionally. So, this is certainly a bigger one. Um, the Ian thing, obviously, is the is the focal point. We don't really know exactly what's going on there. We'll talk more about it later. What we do know, but uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a huge change, a huge shock to the system. But um, I mean, I get the feeling you guys are ready to quote unquote make the journey, as they say. <laughs> and I know I am. I'm I'm uh, I'm excited, but you know, I have some I have some hesitations as to losing Tony. I mean, that's that's a huge blow.
1: I mean, if we go back to 1990 when Mark wasn't drumming with the band. I know it's a bit different because obviously Stewart was still there. But that's
0: a good point, though. Yeah,
1: it's a, it's a fair comparison. It is. Uh, while I think people at the time sorely missed Mark and wished he was there, and th- thankfully he came back, the fact is is that people realize that big country music does have a, a right to to carry on, and and it, you know for the short period of time. Without Mark, they did. And we're approaching that same moment uh, 20-odd years later with Derek coming in. And despite what people might have thought about the drummers back in 1990, Derek Forbes, if there's going to be a replacement for Tony Butler, I can't think of uh, too many people out there Mm. fill the shoes as well as Derek could.
0: Let's take a little step back now, I guess, to... Where we left off the last time, which was around 2010, and Spine, if you want to take over from there, I mean, because you you put together a little timeline, and John, you can jump in here too. When when did the first when was the first uh, time that Mike Peters officially joined Big Country, and when did that happen?
1: Well, officially or unofficially, if you want to go back to the Zen Dam show of 2002, it was his first. Expert- right i mean i mean
0: we know he we know he played with them at times and he was like part of the part of the big country extended family i guess you could say um but i i guess when when did they approach him i mean do you guys know anything any of the specifics about when they actually approached him and said hey we want you to be the singer for us
1: mike peters in the earlier shows when he was uh big country told the story that he was out on a on a mountain climb and he gets a Telephone call from Bruce, and they just have a conversation. And Bruce asks him, "Hey, do you want to do you want to sing for Big Country?" And his answer was, emphatically
2: yes." Does he ever say no? <laughs> that's the big thing. You know, he um, he is such a positive guy, and uh, obviously he has friends with Bruce. They've crossed paths so many times over the years, and uh, I think he needed all of ten seconds to say yes. So um, I guess that's long for him. But um, uh, no, that 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 was obviously huge news. But uh, no one knew what the the future would really bring. You know, they got together for that tour that started in December 2010. Uh, that was the Back in a Big Country tour where uh, the five of them got together and, and started touring. And uh, I guess they took it uh, tour by tour. That's my impression. And I'm sure John would be quick to correct if I'm wrong. But they did the, the December, January Back in a Big Country tour. Uh, and uh, John, you were there, right?
1: Uh, for those shows, yes. The first one, which was New Year's Eve 2010 at the Glasgow ABC. Oh wow. Uh, I mean, people think of big country and New Year's Eve in Glasgow. They have a certain certain idea about how a show how a show was going to uh, going to go. Uh, but as good as that show was, the second show, which was the second of January 2011, was a I think brought a little more a little more to the table because it was in Dunfermline and at the Alhambra theater. Now there was a small club across the street from the Alhambra where some people were meeting before the gig, you know, having, having a few drinks, watching a couple local bands. And I don't know who, I forget who the gentleman was, but somebody had one of Stuart Adamson's guitars and they brought it, brought it into the the club to, uh, to to show everyone. And as, and as that was going on, uh, some of the members of the band, Bruce and and Jamie and Mike, had come across the street and were, and you know, int- int- introduce themselves to the fans, and they took a interest in this guitar. And Stewart's brother-in-law, I believe it was his brother-in-law, verified, oh yeah, that that was one of his guitars. So fast forward to the gig, and obviously it's a very it's a very emotional moment for Big Country to play in Dunfermline. And I forget which song it was, but Mike Peters takes, you know, talks about this guitar, brings it on stage and plays one of the songs with Stuart's guitar. This is
3: Stuart Anderson's old guitar. Time for it to ring out again.
4: Come on, scream it!
0: Let's talk a little bit about Mike and what he brings to the band. I mean, I, I remember Tony in an interview saying that somebody told him that Big Country finally has their their Bono, and Tony kind of laughed about that, and I, as you know, I do too. But I mean, there 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 are valid comparisons there in a, in a sense. I mean, not necessarily personality wise, but the one thing that uh, you know I remember from back in the early '80s when. U2, big country, and the Alarm were, were kind of on that even ground, where that there were a lot of comparisons to U2, especially between the Alarm and U2. And Mike Peters had a very similar style, and still does, as Bono' singing style. I mean, he's just one of those really passionate, belted out at the top of his lungs singers. And Stewart did a lot of that too. But Stewart was a, you know, Stewart was not a belted out type of guy necessarily. He had a Maybe a more limited voice in some respects, um, but he does. He certainly didn't doesn't and didn't sing like Mike Peters sings. So it's kind of an interesting dynamic that I think Mike has brought to those songs, singing them in the way that he sings them. Uh, I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think of that? Do you think it adds something fresh to the material? Do you?
1: Sure, because Mike's not up there trying to do an impression of Stuart Adamson. Mike is singing the songs as 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 he sees them, and. Uh, Using his own using his own talents, bringing what he has to the table. So I think that's the difference you have with with the uh, that and the other bands where they have a replacement singer, where sometimes the singers trying to sound too much like the other guy, as it were.
0: Right, right, yeah. I mean, he's he's such his own personality. He's not going to try to impersonate anyone. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's interesting for me to hear those songs done that way because it's it, you know it is almost like a strange. Amalgamation of a U2 type of approach to the traditional big country sound. So,
1: and if you listen closely, Mike will alter lyrics ever so slightly, uh, and it, it kind of brings his own little stamp to the yeah. to the songs.
0: Yeah, I was I was going to bring that up definitely. Um, yeah, it, it's it, it's interesting because you know Mike is known for being such a positive guy and i'm curious what you guys think about this he does he he's changed some of the lyrics that i think it's it's kind of interesting it just shows the the nature of the guy like for example in look away when it says uh, i followed or you followed me and, but i said no he changes it to
4: you followed me when I said yes.
0: and then in uh, a thousand stars the I, some say protect and survive i say it's over he then adds I see- So, yeah, that that positivity really comes bubbling through. I mean, uh, it's interesting.
1: Well, my favorite lyric change that Mike has done is uh, in The Teacher. There's the lyric in the song that goes, For I am new to mystery, he sings, For I am new to big country. (laughs)
0: <laughs> very good.
2: It's gonna be interesting to have him sing some of the darker songs. You know, you know, Mike. How about make a stab of living my memory? <laughs> how can you make that one a positive song?
4: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Big country
2: have their share of uh, very dark songs, and uh, obviously, that that's part of the uh, part of what we like. That uh, Stuart was able to to bring alive uh, the good and the bad, and uh, in in every way. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think, I, I don't mind the, the spins that, that Mike does. I've seen uh, discussions where people took exception to it quite strongly. I think, uh, you know, changing a note to a yes and uh, how that ruins the story. But uh, it's, uh, I, I don't care that much. I think it's, uh, you know, you, you got to make your own little stamp. and
1: Yeah. Like the same, yeah. it's like if you want to hear how the songs sound like on the album, listen to the album. Yeah, I wouldn't want him to change the entire
0: meaning of a song. And, I, and, of course, he would never do that. But those little moments that he adds, I think they're endearing. That's that's kind of the way I feel about it. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's just a little subtle thing. And he doesn't do it every time. He's only done it a few times. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I like it. I like it.
2: I think it's fair in a live situation to have a certain uh, element of improvisation. A, a lot of the bands I listen to from the 60s and th- 70s, they – they have sections in songs that are different every time, and uh, sometimes they would jam. Sometimes they would change things around, and uh, uh, it's if a real throwback to that.
1: The reasons why sometimes they uh, change the lyrics or forget the lyrics may be for various reasons. <laughs> well,
0: yeah, I was going to say that I know Mike Peters in in those first in that first tour. Didn't he have a big lyric book at the front of the stage that he would reference quite a bit?
1: Yes, yes, he did.
0: I, re- I remember seeing video of that, like him singing and then turning a page <laughs> to, to, to get to the next line of a song. It, it's you know you, you can hardly fault the man for that. Those are some, especially those early big country songs. They uh, they're quite quite uh, a handful lyrically. I mean, for me, one of the standout moments of that early tour, um, you know, we could talk a little bit about all of the the respect that was paid to Stuart adamson i mean almost to the point of overdoing it at times maybe i mean i don't know it depends on your your vantage point but i mean no one can accuse them and especially mike peters of stepping into a situation and you know not paying respects to what was there before because i mean he went ridiculously out of his way to to mention Stuart constantly in those songs and for me one of the one of the most goosebump inducing moments of that tour was before Poro Man, every time they played that, he would read a section of uh, of that short story by, H, by H.G. Wells, Pollock and the Poro Man. This is uh,
3: when I came here as a fan to join in with this group and help to sing the songs for you people tonight. I had a lot of questions when I came here. As a fan of the band, I've, I've been grilling these guys about the history of big country and you know, thousands of things, but I still want to ask them while we are traveling around in a I've asked them a lot about Stuart Evanson, and uh, my love and respect for that guy has only grown. In the, in the tarbine, yeah? And uh, I asked them about one song in particular, which we're going to play for you. And uh, and uh, Bruce here was telling me that it came from a book, a story in a book, a short story uh, written by H. G. Wells It was actually published in May 1895, and it's something that that uh, Stuart in particular loved this book and and, uh, took a lot from it and created some of the music that you you know and love. And uh, I'd like to read a little portion of the book for you because I think it says something about, I know that Stuart has read these words millions of times and they're part of him too. So this is uh, from all of us for Stuart. It's a a poem called Pollock and the Poro Man. Belief in poro malignity and poro magic had been in the air. His sense of Poro had been vast, pervading, threatening, dreadful. Now, manifestly, the domain of Poro was only a little place, a little black band between the sea and the blue cloudy uplands. Goodbye, Poro, shouted Pollock. Goodbye, certainly not au revoir. Stuart Adamson,
0: The Poro Man.
2: Most people are there to, you know, drink, listen to the music, have a good time, and here stands a man on stage reading a poem. So, <laughs> I, I, I love that part of Mike. You know, he he does that, and uh, uh, you know, angry glances from Bruce to those who did interrupt those uh, those poem readings. So, uh, <laughs> clearly, it was very important for them to do it. And uh, uh, I, uh, I think, uh, yeah, definitely, he did go into Stewart's uh, limelight, and in fact, they had that open spot uh, in the middle of the stage. That I think they're slowly but surely, you know, making less a big deal out of that than I think they should. I think uh, they paid uh, the respects to Stewart uh, plenty, and uh, no one will ever forget him. But uh, the empty spot in the middle is not needed anymore.
1: I,
0: I agree with that. I, I think it's, you know, it's time to to move move ahead. You got to be always aware of it, obviously, and I'm sure they they are. But you don't have to be so careful. I think at this point, or act like you're treading on eggshells every time you sing one of the songs or or do something that stuart used to do i mean you know for better or worse it, this is their band now and uh stuart lives on through it he wrote you know most of the songs that they're playing and uh yeah i think i think they paid their respects and it's time to it's time to really make their own stamp on it
2: and i think the timing is perfect you know they're they're now starting the journey and uh, this is clearly you know now we're beginning this is the second phase or how- whatever phase we're at at this point but it's it's a new phase and uh, it's about the guys who are there today to continue the legacy and uh, uh, not not create the mood of every show is a memorial show to Stewart anymore it, so um, yeah I, I think they're getting to that
1: well yeah I think that that feeds into the the new slogan you take the, making the journey uh, you know more forward looking into the in you know, into the future but the future of the band so I think I think that feeds into exactly what you were saying.
0: Yeah, well, let's talk a little bit about the name Big Country. I mean, you know, there, there's there's sort of a, a sect of fans who really don't think that they should be using the name Big Country. And even back then, when, when Mike first joined the band, I think it was less vocal, but there were still some, you know, who, who didn't think that the Big Country name should be used by this group of musicians. So what do you guys think of that, that argument?
1: I, I mean, Big Country was founded... By Stuart Adamson and Bruce Watson, and anything that goes forward, I think Bruce Watson, obviously he's on board with using the name Big Country, and the family representatives of Stuart Adamson are on board with this. They're more than happy to see the, the name Big Country go on. So who are, who is anybody else out there to say no? You can't you, you can't do it.
2: It's such an old argument. I mean, I think a lot of big country fans seem to be very shielded from this kind of dilemma whenever key members leave a band. I mean, I've been following so many bands that it's it's the exact same argument every time. Yeah. And um, I mean, the KISS connection has been mentioned many times before, you know, that discussion is going on and and uh, you guys in the band and do, they still use the same makeup and uh, you know or who are they trying to fool you know who do they think they are and you know it's you know I've seen it so many times and okay finally we got that discussion in big countryland as well so uh right. no I uh I just shrug you know I'm Bruce, I've been through it so many times I I know
1: uh, Bruce posted on 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 the bulletin board not too long ago outside of U2 there's no band that's been around for the amount of time that big country's been around without some personnel changes. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I think what people fail to understand, too, is that, you know, there, there's a business side to this as well. And, and uh, you know, a, a, a booking agent is going to be much more likely to book big country no matter who's in the band than they are going to be to, to, you know, book whatever they're going to call themselves or you know small town or or another country you know people have talked about they should change their name to another country well you know they've spent a long time building the brand of big country and making making a name for that and and bruce and mark and when tony when he was still in the band they were were very much involved in that as well you know they worked most of their adult life in building the name big country um you know we can argue all day about you know, the fact that it should have been bigger than it was or whatever, but the fact remains they they do have a very strong fan base, and it may not be as big as we want, but it's still there, and it still draws crowds, and it still has, you know, some value to it, and so they got to look at that, too. I mean, they, obviously, they're doing this for the right reasons, but they want to make money at it as well, and changing their name at this point in the game would just really defeat that purpose, so...
2: What puzzles me about uh, that entire side, you know, if they change their name to another country, would things suddenly be okay? Does that mean, oh, they change their name, fine. Now I'll buy their album. Now I'll listen to the music, and now the music will actually be good. Now I like it because they changed their name. I mean, uh, it, it, it should start with the music. It shouldn't start with the name. If you like the music they put out, what, what does it care what what their name is?
0: Right. Exactly. I, I, you know, I think I think a lot of for a lot of people, it's just that. It's just that close tie to to Stewart, and and it's just not liking anything that dares to tread in their perception on his memory. But yes. I think I think anyone who anyone who's followed the, the this incarnation of the band since they started should know by now that you know there, there's nothing at all like that going on. And in fact, as we mentioned last time, Stewart is the one who suggested Mike Peters. Continue the band. And and, I mean, you can talk about his state of mind at the time, but I'm sure that he would be happy to see that the band was in Mike's hands. Let's start to talk a little bit about some of the new stuff that the band had been doing. I mean, obviously, the first song that they unveiled um, was Another Country.
1: First time i i had heard it was on was on the youtube videos uh i i had been over to the uk had seen a few shows and they didn't debut another country tool i guess the last show of the tour so i was i'm was so upset that i oh, i missed that one huh. uh, <laughs> but uh obviously when i first heard it i was like well this this sounds good this 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 is big country
0: and, and this song comes from uh, – we mentioned this a little bit last time, but the, the genesis of this song can be found in uh, the song Pollock and the Poro Man from from uh, Bruce's Porta Studio Diaries CD. And the poor man is a totally different song with, with, you know, totally different lyrics. But some of the arrangements are are the same, and a lot of the lead parts are the same. But um, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, when I first heard it, I was I was very excited. I I thought, uh, oh, this sounds good. You know, I I like the. It it was kind of a return to the the older stylings of big country that attracted me to the band to to begin with. Um, You know, a little bit veering away from the more Nashville-inspired roots of the last albums with you know driving to damascus in that period um and i I guess maybe in that respect it it maybe gave a little indication as well that i mean you know we're talking 10 years removed from that album so this could be just me speculating but it 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 did seem like maybe the other guys in the band weren't as keen on the country influence that had been coming into the band as stewart maybe had been i mean i don't know but to, to see this new song and it was more in line with with what I would call old-school big country. Um, Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by it.
2: Yeah, so they played that on the last date of uh, the so-called Dream Stay With You Tour, which they did in April, uh, following up the one in uh, in January. And, uh, you know, it's a shame they didn't play it a little before, because they actually recorded the Dream Stay With You CD and DVD set just uh, a week before. They recorded that. uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, then so uh, no new songs on that set. Uh, it would have been cool to have one, but uh, okay, you know. So they put I, it out on the, on the last date.
1: If wow. I could get something, because I, th- I was at that show where they uh, where they recorded the Dream Stay with You. And the one thing to note about that particular show, and not that many people know about this, and from what I understand, not even the band members knew about this till till weeks later. I was sitting well, standing. In the back of the back of the auditorium, behind the sound desk, and very unassuming, very quiet. Callum Adamson was sitting on the other side of the sound desk, watching watching the show. Wow. Wow. And and, and apparently nobody knew about it. He was there. He was there with some friends, standing there, you know, take, taking in the show. Seemed to be having a good time.
0: I was going to say, any any indication of what he felt about it? I mean, I've seen a picture recently of him with his arm around Mike Peters, which which made me happy inside to see. Um so i mean uh any was there any indication of what he th- thought about it or have he, have you ever heard anything about what callum thinks of the band continuing on? Is he cool with it i mean
1: i haven't I haven't heard anything uh anything about that uh the one thing I do know is that recently Bruce and Kirsten Adamson did an interview with the uh, with the with the b b c about big country
0: oh great hmm.
1: I haven't seen that
0: it, as, do you know when that's going to be uh, released, John? Or
1: um, there was a radio interview. I'm not. I'm not exactly sure. Maybe. Maybe, it, maybe it even aired by now. I have no idea.
0: Cool. We'll have to keep an eye out for that. Let me, let me ask you guys about this DVD thing. I'll, I'll ask you, fine. Have you? Do you have that DVD and CD? Because I. I have never seen or heard that show. So I'm just curious what the DVD is like.
2: Oh, then you have to get it. It's. Okay. Uh, it, it's such a cool little set and uh, obviously the dvd one is uh, you know that's when you get the full experience and uh, right. i listened to the cd first i thought okay you know the cd and uh, uh, i have to say mike sounds incredibly gruff as he comes out and starts singing thousand stars and uh, i thought <laughs> oh god mike you should have cleared your throat before you got on stage <laughs> And it, that's more noticeable on the CD. You know, when you put on a DVD, it doesn't matter so much because you see how into it they are, and yeah. uh, it, it's just so endearing. And uh, I think watching that one was what, you know, not that I wasn't sold, but I was totally sold when when I when I could take in that thing. So, mm. so such a good set. You know, it's uh, it, this is basically them doing the full, you know, all the classics. So uh, and it was pre uh, the Crossing Tour, so a more diverse uh, selection of material, which uh, in my book is okay. So uh, uh, yeah, that that's such a great set.
0: Cause, yeah, because they did things like East of Eden and and uh, uh, oh, yeah. other other tunes. They did a couple of things from Steel Town, I think, and and uh, the Teacher and yeah, it, it was. I do remember the set. And it was a very interesting, uh, good retrospective type of set.
2: Oh yeah, and stuff like Never Take Your Place, which they have played yeah. quite a bit with Mike in the band, and uh, their take on it, is, uh, it's not a full tilt rocker, it's more a slow build, and uh, almost a bit more menacing, you know, which is strange with Mike there, but uh, I like how it is, they made it moody, they made it sort of crawl along, so lots of uh, really unique takes, different takes, so they're marking their sort of territory that this is uh, mm. a new lineup here, and we have our versions of things.
3: This is called Never Take Your Place.
4: Last night I dreamed I saw you there I dreamed your eyes are blue And someone's hand upon your head I dreamed I saw that too And not a word that I could say that i could do could ever make me look on you the way you looked on me whip your dogs away from here there's no more oil and there's no more beer whip your dogs away from here There's no more left to fear Push away boys, push away boys It's time we left this place For all the gold in Edinburgh Could never take your place
2: I didn't hear another country till that single came out, so I was quite late. But that was on purpose. I didn't want to see any YouTube videos until until anyone forced me. But um, so, but so I got the single and got into it that way, and um, I'm glad I did. Uh, that, at least one, so that that's something. Um, and like yourself, I thought this is a good return. Uh, I mean, they had to come back with something, and they came back with a song that's full of big country hooks and references. Yeah. And uh, if, if anything. Uh, there's a bit of an I walk the hill factor here. You know, th- that's a song they started out as a sort of uh, a that, mistake yeah. on themselves. Yeah, they're you know we, we're gonna make a song that sounds like big country, and they did it for fun, and it, they managed to turn it into a, a decent enough big country song. But uh, you know, they they put every sort of trademark in another country, and I feel, are they trying too hard? <laughs> so I got this thing. Are they trying too hard? Um, but yeah, uh, I could, I know, could uh, see
0: that appro- I could see that take on it. Yes.
2: But, but I'm not holding it against them. It's fine, you know. It's um, they want to come back with a mission statement, and it, it totally works as that.
0: And let's not forget that this this song brought Steve Lillywhite back into the fold. I mean, that was a big, huge thing that Steve Lillywhite came back to produce um, another country for them, and very interesting production. That I think he did a really good job on the song. It, it does not at all sound like uh, something that could have been taken off the crossing. I mean, it's it's much more vibrant and in-your-face and in type of production. Um, it's not really you know, drenched in the, the reverb and everything that, of course, you know, we're talking 1980s versus 2000s. I'm sure he's learned a lot since then and changed since then. But I, I really like the – as you say, you know, they, they had the old big country tropes and, and motifs going through the song. But it was presented and produced in a very fresh kind of uh, in-your-face type of way, and I, I thought that fit really well. And they did a video for the song too, which was kind of cool. A, a nice a nice little take um, a good video for the song where it was basically just them in the recording studio playing and uh, some some cool black and white shots and that type of thing so what did you guys think of the way that they played the old tunes I mean they, they were it was really interesting to me um, kind of as a difference between the way they did it when they were a three piece and we talked about that last time and how how Bruce really had to kind of transcribe two or morph two guitar parts into one um now he had jamie with him and you know they really tried to recreate those sounds what did you guys think of the effectiveness of how that new twin guitar assault from the the two watsons um did justice to the old big country sound
1: i I liked it because i'm one of these these people much much like when i saw the 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 three piece it's an opportunity for new arrangements and just bringing new life into the songs so that that's that's kind of how how i view it
2: yeah the thing i liked best about how they attacked the songs uh you know i'm, I'm interested in new interpretations like i mentioned never take your place already but uh going back to the another country single they included some tracks there from uh, a radio show uh that the the Billy Sloan sessions, mm. and they did "Just a Shadow" and they did "Steel Town," and both of those are significant uh, differences. Much like "Never Take You Place," it's much more a subdued version, and uh, uh, that uh, that version of uh, "Just a Shadow" just brought it alive after a massive overplaying over the years. I've heard it so many times I take it for granted. Yeah, and then they change it a little bit, and suddenly you you hear it with fresh ears.
4: I know It a heavy hand to bear, and there's never.
2: that's what i appreciate if they can do that and make me stop taking all these things they've they've just been around for so long that uh, you can't sit down and uh, and just get the same feeling you got when you heard it for the first time it's it, it's simply not possible sometimes without without effort but uh slight changes slight tweaks and uh, mike sings it in his way he doesn't uh, repeat the phrasing of stewart you know he he has his own take on that
0: if there's one criticism i have of mike and it's not even really a criticism it's just something i kind of wish he would hold back on a little bit um is his announcing of the songs and i only i only get this when i listen to some of some of these bootlegs in order but it's like i'm thinking of the dundee bootleg especially which is one of the one of the better quality ones circulating but it's like every song he announces it as if he's announcing a wrestling match
4: (laughs) A wonderland! It's here it for the restless, Nate! Are you ready then to so look away, look away?
0: You know, it's just Mike being Mike, and it's it's funny. But after like the three or four times, it's like okay, you don't have to announce every single song like that. You know, it's
1: winner and undisputed. right <laughs> Exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think it works best when he, uh, you know, for the song uh, to make the journey, he says, "Don't be afraid to make this journey with me." And th- th- that is
0: nice. Yes. But uh,
2: don't be afraid to make this journey. <laughs>
4: it, it,
0: it 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 does change things. I mean, you know, I appreciate and I love the the enthusiasm and the passion he brings to, to every performance. It's incredible. I don't know how he, he manages to do it. I mean, like you you were talking about his voice being gruff uh, in the beginning of that show. And I think I know exactly what you're talking about because I have, have heard bits and pieces. And yet it's his voice just like miraculously recovers as the show continues. Yes, it does. And, and it always seems to do that. I mean, it's like he he just he just belts those songs out. I mean, as hard as he can and you've got to have tremendous respect for him as a singer
2: okay so uh, that's the April tour Uh, they did a stint again in uh, July and uh, during that run they actually debuted quite a few new songs yeah so uh, they had written quite a bit I guess since April so um, uh, always a good indication and I think we'll go through uh, the dates as the new songs were debuted Uh, if we go to July 7th That was in Glasgow and the first ever performance of Through This Land.
0: think this is a great song um it it's it's got a, a very heavy almost i hate to i hate to harken back to old albums as comparison because it's not really fair but it does give me a little bit of a steel town vibe at times with with the guitar parts and the arrangements um can't really make out a lot of the lyrics from the from the bad you you know youtube clips or or bootleg recordings that i've heard but they sound interesting they sound good um but what really stands out to me are the guitars, the guitars in this song. Um, great guitar playing, and there's especially a, a goosebump-inducing moment for me, which w- was a real pleasure to hear again from a big country song, a new big country song, especially from this new version of the band, because it really made it clear to me that they are capable of producing music that, that affects me that way again. And that's the end of this song, kind of the, the, the play out um, it's just got a great playout section to this, and it's the, the guitars, the lead lines that are playing on the guitar are very simple, but they're very inspiring and very uh, very big. And then we've got Mike doing the huge vocals of just going like, "Oh." oh, oh. I still want to know who played the wrong uh, part, though, on the the version on the Dundee bootleg. Because at the very end, yeah. <laughs> yes, fine, knows what I'm talking about. At the very end of that song, my favorite part of the song, and I have seen a live performance of it, so I think it's Jamie. And I, I apologize if, if there's some chance Jamie is listening to this. Um, I apologize, but I think I think he was playing like a fret too, too high up the neck, because there's like this really bad couple notes in this one section that keep going. <laughs>
1: his defense, uh, again, I was at my normal position standing by the, the sound desk. Don't know why I'm always there. <laughs> uh, that, I was at that show and there was a bit of difficulty with, with the equipment, uh, with the sound at that venue. So I don't know if... Everything was set up right where they could hear themselves on stage. To be honest with you.
0: Yeah, exactly. It sounds like something, and I've had that happen to me before, like playing where I think I'm thinking, does this is this right? Because I can't really hear myself, and I'm not sure. So I'm sure that's what it was, but I'm, I'm just being making light of it. But uh, yeah,
2: but yeah. L- listen, guys, you're right. I know exactly what you're talking about, and uh, I don't think you should either apologize or come to his defense because I listened to this version quite a bit, and I thought at the end, oh, he's playing slightly off key. That's really cool and I, and I liked it and I thought okay, it's supposed to be like that and then I heard the earlier version from Glasgow I think a week uh, earlier right and he played and he placed the right notes and that was such a disappointment <laughs> I prefer the wrong notes Oh no not me not me oh man I, yeah I thought with the normal notes there that he played in Glasgow that's uh, it's, it's kind of not that special but uh, a little off and yeah th- th- that got interesting to me yeah the-
0: it's it's special as in as in the the special special needs <laughs>
2: <laughs> no I, th- I think it really works and uh, I think uh, I think that's exactly what the song needed at that point to be honest <laughs> but uh, no the, I think the song it, it is a good one it has nice hooks it has the classic evocativeness on some uh, level and it soars and uh, Mike really sings his heart out without yelling uh, it's the kind of song I wish they had made a big country epic, and it might still do that, you know, this is we're, we're, we're discussing and dissecting really early live versions, I'm sure the song has evolved since then Right. but uh, if they add some parts here and there and uh, yeah, the huge playout section it, it can be huger and more grandiose I'm not sure if they're going to okay. go that route with this song, but um, it, there's room for it, I think this song would fit it
1: Of all, of all the new songs when I listen to this particular song I think of the big in big country
2: yes yes yeah it has some of that definitely okay so uh, we go onward in the tour to july 11th uh this is also in glasgow the same venue a week later i assume they came back after making a round but uh, that's the date when they played the last Chip sales for the first time
0: Yeah, a very cool song, and I, I'm still not exactly – John, you probably are clear on this, but I'm not exactly clear on where this song came from. Now, it, wasn't it a song that at least parts of it were written in Mike's first band called The Toilets? Is that <laughs> – or is that a complete joke that Bruce Watson made? That was a,
1: that's that, that that's was
0: a joke. joke. Okay, because he – yeah, all right, because I saw him making this post on the forum, and he said something about that, and I was like, Mike was in a band called The Toilets. And I, did not get it as a joke. And then later, I think he came back and said that it was a joke. So, yeah. so, so is this a brand new song? I guess is what I'm getting at. Yes,
1: it, yeah. yes. It is. Dis, 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 despite Bruce Watson's uh, statements to the contrary, it, it is a new song.
0: I'm really glad that's a new song, just because I really love this song, and it makes me happy that they're still able to write, you know, songs like this. It's a very, very ferocious song. Does it's it's got some big country, what I would consider like older school big country in it, but. You know, I, I definitely sense a little bit more alarm type of stylings in this. Uh, I know well, some of, some people have criticized the music for having an, a more of an alarm sound. I personally don't hear it, um, except for Mike's voice, obviously. But this song maybe a little bit, but it's almost like a punk song.
2: Yeah. I think I think I definitely hear more of Mike's influences than uh, the alarm. I think I hear Mike is a Clash fan. I think I hear more of his style of you know his inspirations being brought in. Uh, than uh, than the arm per se. Yeah. And um, I, I'm not sure where I would place this song. I, I like the verses and uh, they have a really great build up. And my favorite part is how Mike's vocals fit in with the playing instead of just laying on top. It's really groovy, mm-hmm. it's catchy, and it's almost staccato. Uh, so, so the verses are, are really good. Uh, I'm left a little flat at the chorus. It's much simpler, m- more straight ahead, and they just shout the title over and over again, it just seems like a too easy solution. Mm. So uh, to me, uh, I, I hold Big Country to a higher standard, I'm, I'm guilty of that. Maybe it's not fair, but they set the standard. So uh, I would expect some more, uh, something more to happen than, than what it does, really. And it might yet do, this, is, this was the first early screening, they played it a bit, and I'm sure it's evolved, all of that stuff, but uh, the chorus doesn't hold up to the verses.
0: I yeah, see I like the chorus. I, I, for, I like it probably what the reason I like it is because I really like the imagery of the of the title. The last ship sails tonight tonight. I think that's a cool title. It evokes some really cool imagery that, that has its roots in in big countries' nautical themes, you know. Um, yeah, but think
2: of what it could have been
0: with that title yeah it could have been it could have been you I'm mean not like i got
2: it from that point I think of what it could have been they're just saying it over and over and it's it's not that imaginative and uh, uh, so uh, you know it's it's i'm definitely holding them to a higher standard here so uh, that's uh, i think that's uh, their own problem that they have left me you know get used to a certain standard and um, i'm not sure i don't think it sounds like a finished song so we're not going to be too
0: harsh on it well we'll see what they come up with we'll see what they if they if they fool around with it but uh yeah i mean i i understand what you're saying but i mean i, I think it's i like it i like it, it to me it, it works fine it's just i mean it is repeated over and over again but some songs some songs are okay doing that i think it's and because of the approach of this song it's such a three chord thrashing tune I, I it makes me want to raise my fist at that chorus so it works for me
1: i mean i i like it, it it's a Again, it's a bit different than what you're, used to, you're hearing with Big Country. And I think much like we said last time with the BBW songs being written more towards Tony's voice, this is the perfect example of a song obviously being written, written for Mike's voice. And it's uh, it's a bit frenetic, and I like it like that. Uh, this, it, it plays well with the song. I can, I can see where Spine's coming from about repeating the chorus, but every once in a while a song like that uh, is just what you need. Yeah, and and
0: you're talking to a guy that thinks the the bad notes in all through this land should go back into the final version. So you got to take all this into consideration.
2: Oh yes, <laughs> that's what this song needs. It needs more. It needs vocal, bad. It needs bad some notes. bad notes. <laughs> not not bad notes, but uh, <laughs> off the wall kind of it. It the disharmonying thing turns into a harmony.
0: No, it, it doesn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> you're such a geek. <laughs> I don't want big country turning into a uh, some kind of strange experimental dissonant band. keep it in the same key, please
2: already the next day, July 12th, they uh, debuted the journey aka make the journey. I think that's the one where really Titan. it could have either title, and that was in Sterling. <laughs>
0: Let's face it. This is going to be the title of the new album. It's going to be called "The Journey." I, I will be. I will bet money on that right now.
2: Yeah, it's definitely the theme these days. Definitely. And in a way, that's a shame because uh, I have to be honest. This is not the best of the new songs. Uh, I uh, I think I, I've thought a lot about it. What 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 isn't there to like about this song? And it's not that I don't like the song, but I don't like them doing it. Uh, I think the line between "We Country and Alarm." Are, Is very thin on this one. And, uh, I have to explain that a bit as much as I love Mike and the alarm. And you guys know, I'm a gigantic uh, fan. Um, there needs to be a differentness to the project musically. Mm. It, it shouldn't be totally effortlessly for Mike to switch between his projects. He can't come into big country wearing his alarm hat and vice versa. Uh, so even though I'm, I'm such a fan of the alarm, I'm such a fan of big country with Mike or without Mike, but, uh, he can't bring the same approach to both bands. I'm expecting uh, them to go a bit for the big country heritage or something different. Not, not be alarm v 2 And I think that's my main problem with this song. It's, uh, it's very much the song where the line between big country and alarm are, are the thinnest.
1: Well, if, if nothing else, I mean, I can see where you're coming from swine, but I, I think that as much as is humanly possible, like tries to differentiate between big country and the, and the alarm, uh, obviously in your opinion, doesn't succeed in this song, but the, the one thing about this, this song, I mean, obviously this, this, song was written in 2011, but there are some lyrics, which, uh, if you've indulged me, I'll re- read a, read a couple of them, which seem to be a bit prophetic. If nothing else, there will be hurt. There will be pain. There will be a lot of tears, a lot of joy, What we have left cannot be destroyed. Time to move on. To let it be. What will be, will be.
2: Mm. Yeah, you have you have to keep in mind that uh, the lyrics are hard to make out on shit the YouTube clips. Um, <laughs> so uh, obviously, when I go into the studio, you can hear this clearly. There might be more done with the arrangements. So this is by not by any means a final judgment on the song. This is uh, this is my initial take on it R- right now as it is. If someone said this is a live recording, a bootleg of the alarm, and they played it to me, I wouldn't react. And uh, that's a bit too much, in, uh you know the, the line needs to be a little clearer. So that's really my main complaint. But if you look at the song uh, uh, itself, there, there's a lot, a lot of ingredients there, a, a lot of things that are are nice. But uh, uh, in addition to the line being blurry, I don't think the melody is very strong. There's it's not very, it's not very hummable, and the uh, the chorus is is a little strange. It, this is the song that I I hope they rework quite a bit, and uh, Maybe the lyrics can come in and change it.
0: Yeah, interesting. I I I, I like the song uh, certainly more than you like it. Um, it's not my favorite of the new songs, but I would I wouldn't be surprised at all if this becomes like the the single off of the next album. It, it's depending on how it's reworked. I mean, it, it's certainly setting up to be that way. I mean, you've got the journey is kind of the motif that's going through yeah. everything, and this song, you know. Despite whether you like it or not, it's got kind of a single feel to it. Now, it's interesting you you say it sounds like the alarm because this song actually has its roots in a Bruce Watson song called Alien 9, which you can find on the Porter Studio Diaries. It doesn't. The song on Bruce's album doesn't sound anything really like "Make the Journey," but it's. But you can hear a lot of parts that came from it. Um, it I, I can see what you mean about it. it's got you know less of a big country feel in some respects. Uh, but what I really like about it, and the only the only version of this I've really heard is the version on this Dundee bootleg, which is probably the clearest that I've heard. So I, I was kind of able to make out a lot of those lyrics too. But I really like the middle section of this. It's got like a great guitar breakdown, a great twin guitar breakdown between Bruce and Jamie that's very, very cool. It's It's got some, I don't know, it's almost got some like Harvest Home overtones to it. But overall, I mean, uh, I like the the approach of it lyrically. And John, those lyrics that you that you read are, are perfect. I mean, that we talked about a mission statement, and that this song kind of is the mission statement. I think of the new version of the band. It's uh, the the leadoff point, and um, you know, it's, it's a it's a good song. And they obviously were into it, and it seemed to get a very good crowd reaction as well, at least on the bootleg that I heard. Um, and I say that comparing with some of the other ones, people would kind of like applaud as if they were still taking it in, but this one it seemed like there was a bigger eruption of applause when it was over and I could hear people clapping along with it and that kind of thing. So it was
1: the crowd that night. It it was? Yeah, it was a real 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 vibrant crowd. Shit.
2: The next new song appears on July 18th. That's in Wrexham, where they debuted Home of the Brave. And that's a song that isn't out there on YouTube and isn't uh, available on any bootleg I've seen. So, uh, And I know you, Tom, struggled to find it as well. So maybe we need to look for John here. <laughs> yeah, I think
0: oh. John's the only one who's heard it.
1: Well, yes. Uh, the only thing I can say, and you two guys are a bit more astute about uh, expressing the musicality of a, of a song. It's it's a, uh, it's a rocking song.
0: The title actually reminds me of a Skids song. Sounds like something the Skids would write.
2: So I tried to research Home of the Brave, and I actually came across a funny thing, that there is a band out there called Home of the Brave, and they play a song called The Big Country. So <laughs> how much of a coincidence is that? that that's actually hilarious. It really is. Uh, but uh, I um, I looked further, and I actually found a note from Bruce Watson, the one and only on the official bulletin board, posted in mid-January 2012, and it reads like this. Coming at you like a train, like the biggest train you've ever seen or heard. What a blast it was working with youth. Great producer and a fun guy as well. Home of the Brave is now in the can, and it will be mixed next week. Halfway through recording, the power in the whole of St. Woods went down. I blame Tony Butler, as his rig is obscenely loud. (laughs) This song is a bit different from another country. More attitude rather than melody. Think Iggy and the Stooges, then treble it, then think again. This is Big Country at their most rockiest. Mike Peters and Jamie Guitar Watson transformed this from a typical Big Country song into a world of nastiness and noise. Mark B. has ditched his usual grace notes for thunderous hits. Coming at you like a train. Let's rock.
1: I like the song. Uh, it's my set of the new songs. I would put it as my second favorite. Oh, I, cool. I am more inclined to the last ship sails. Again, another point where I guess me and uh, opinion opinion are a bit, a bit different on that. But it starts off with a guitar riff, which is very, very big country. Um, I forget whether it's Bruce or Jamie doing it. To be honest with you, we fall into that again. Mm. Uh, the one thing that swine may not like it is that it may be a little too reminiscent uh, of the alarm for his tastes but uh it, it's
2: <laughs> yeah and i love the alarm
0: so.
1: how ironic is that this it's like we, <laughs> we
0: we don't mind it as much and swine is the big alarm fan and he doesn't like the alarm <laughs> i i
2: i want there to be a differentness i uh, no it, i
0: i do understand I, it's it, just funny it,
2: it would be a waste for them not to make big country sound like big country that's really the main thing yeah I, exactly
0: but,
1: Unfortunately, I do think there's the comparison to the Alarm is, un, is unavoidable to to a certain extent because Mike Peters. Oh is, yeah, oh yeah. Does he play harmonica on it?
2: <laughs> An acoustic electric guitar,
1: yeah, right? I don't believe so.
0: But, It'd be funny uh, if, if like all the members of Big Country in the next album cover have their hair like the the Alarm did in the first <laughs> album.
2: Oh my gosh, that would be hysterical. <laughs> we have two more. Uh, The day after they played Home of the Brave for the first time, they came with another one. That was on July 19th in Lincoln. That was Winter Fires Burning. Just to uh, see that I do like some of these new songs. Man, what a great song this is. This song was instant love when I first heard it. Uh, they go for a more open feel. It's uh, it's somewhat epic. I, I like the guitar hooks. Uh, they, I have to say they feel more natural here in this song than on some of the other songs where I feel it's more thought out and here it's played more with emotion. Uh, I hope they will present us with an even more developed studio version of the song. I'm convinced that would be fantastic. So, uh, I, uh, yeah, lots of hooks, lots of swirling guitars, uh, but the recording isn't very clear. So I'm looking forward to that again. And Mike sings his heart out. It's kind of head to the sky arms out style crying out loud to the powers that be so i can't make out the words i look forward to being able to hear them clearly
0: yeah i've really tried to make them out too and i, I really can't either uh, just little bits and pieces um yeah i like this song a lot too i, I the only th- only part that's weak for me and this is going to kind of maybe reflect your thoughts on last ship Sales, is the chorus the chorus doesn't really do it for me yet but i absolutely love the the guitar and the verses and just that driving da 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 is very very cool. Uh, the chorus hits me a little bit flat for some reason at this point, but uh, who knows? Maybe you know. Hopefully, when they flesh this out a little bit more, um, that will come through better with getting a really good quality recording of it. But um yeah, the the other thing that's of interest to me about this early version of the song is that there's no there's no guitar solo in it or no guitar break, which is kind of interesting for big country, but. um we'll see if there's one in the in the final version not not that it need necessarily needs one it's just an op, just an observation on my part but um yeah th- this to me really harkens back uh i don't know some of that some of that guitar part in the beginning and the verses kind of hit me like what are you working for buffalo skinner's type of sound um it doesn't really sound like that song but just the guitar sounds and the approach of it but uh yeah it's got a very dark feel to it and and that big storm is coming type of feel so and I like I like the title of it too. So th- this this is one to watch.
1: It's just, I, I li- you listen to this and I get this vision. again, real real. One thing about a lot of big country songs, they have a kind of a dark undertone to it. And I just had this vision of a small club and just just kind of like a smoke filled room. And it's like you know winter. Um, oh I I will I will save you from from my singing. I'll stop. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> too late. It's- it's just kind of, you know, just a really kind of dark and dirty type of song and it just it just just it, you know, it just it crawls on you in a good way.
0: All right, well let's move on to the last one then and this one you know John can correct me but I don't think they played this one live and that's Angels and Promises. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming from some of these demo sessions that they've been doing and they they chose to release this as kind of a tribute to Stuart and that's obviously what the song is about um it's about Stewart, and you know we talked earlier about time for the band to to move on and 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 probably you know get away a little bit more from the constant um reverence of Stewart, and and i agree with that but you know if they are going to do that i think this song is is a great way to to be the the capstone of that period of of the band and their mourning period or whatever you might want to call it i mean this is my favorite of all the new ones and Granted, it has an advantage because we're hearing a very crisp, clear, uh, professionally recorded version of it. But um, I, I just love this song. I mean, I, to me, it, there's it, it, it. almost sounds like something musically that could have come from the R.E.L. sessions that we so often talk about. I mean, very, very cool traditional big country guitar lines. Fantastic drumming from Mark. I think that's. I think Mark is like an incredible star on this song, especially. Um, just just mark this is mark at his most free when he plays what he wants to play and he's not restrained by you know any producer or whatever and and you're getting pure vintage great mark brisecki drums great tony butler bass and and this kind of makes me again makes me sad you know for tony leaving the band because this song is a great example of of the the melodic style that tony butler as a bassist brings to the band i mean i think his bass lines in this kind of remind me a little bit of over the border sometimes too how his bass is almost a a lead guitar at times and I, I really hope that you know obviously I don't, I don't want Derek Forbes to imitate Tony and I know he's not going to do that but I hope he brings because I'm not that familiar with his work I hope he brings a lot of that Celtic melodic feel to his playing as well because that's what makes helps make the big country sound so great and, and Tony shines in this song yeah. and um and lyrically it's it's just a you know it's a beautiful song it's a great tribute to Stuart it's got a lot of I could see maybe somebody thinking that it's over the top with the with the references to the song chance throughout that kind of thing but I don't mind it I mean I'm really choked up about this song at times and it gives me it's another one of those new songs that gives me goosebumps and just the end play out when he's saying say a prayer and you've got those great lead lines playing over and mark just killing on the drums
2: Tribute. I mean, um, you didn't mention it, but this was put out uh, on the Big Country website on the 10th anniversary of Stuart's death. So, uh, so it was a commemorative piece and uh, their way of saying tribute to uh, to him. So, yeah, I agree. This is a standout song of all the new songs this is the one that resonates the strongest with me and uh, on one level finally a melodic evocative gorgeous song (laughs) there's been so many of the fast ones the ones they've played but uh, uh, so maybe it's not fair you know this is the one but uh, yeah it's been a bit full tilt so far so this is such a welcome change of pace it's a it's a gorgeous song and a very big country Uh, not only lyrically uh, the paraphrasing of chance but uh, you see all kinds of references, and I mentioned uh, the thin line between the alarm and big country. Uh, this is a hundred percent big country. It really uh, is. This 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 uh, this is such a success. This is the song that proves that this can be done. The experiment is, is successful right here. And uh, yeah, of all the new songs, this is the song that makes me the most sad about Tony leaving because this is where his his trademark shines. You know, you you have the last ship sails and those songs and. To be honest, it could really be any bass player. That might sound harsh, but uh, it, 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 it it's nothing like this song. Nothing like Angel, Angels and Promises. This is really where each individual contribution comes together to create something that's greater than all of the players. And, man, I'm I'm getting choked up just thinking about this song. This song is such a standout. Yeah, well, we definitely agree on this one. What do you think about
0: it, John?
1: The one thing about Angels and Promises, like you guys said, it's it's the one song out of the new songs that is the most emotional – obviously due to the subject matter
0: it's obviously a really personal song for mike i mean i mean and for the whole band i mean mike wrote all the lyrics but you can you can really i mean i'm assuming mike Mike wrote, wrote all the lyrics maybe he didn't but it's like every every note of that song is like the the band each member paying tribute to stewart it's
1: well it's one of those things as 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 opposed to the other songs that we've talked about this is the one song they chose to put out there even even if in in rough form, because it was because of the subject matter.
0: Yeah. And and I'm assuming they're gonna gonna use this for the album. I mean, do you have any insight on that, John? I mean, I uh, can.
1: It's. It would be a crime if they didn't put it on there. It's such a it's such a gem.
0: Yeah. I we, could see I could see this like closing out the album. Be a great way to close it.
2: Shit. 2011 ends on a high with Angels and Promises, no doubt. And uh, I dare say 2012 starts on a high. If you think of what came later, it's not a big competition. But um, on January 13th, they played live in front of a studio audience. They played the entire The Crossing album in R.A.K. studios. John, were you there? (laughs) That's the question every time.
0: No, you ask ask John if he wasn't there. That's what you ask. Because otherwise you just assume that he was.
1: Yes, uh, yes, I I was there. (laughs) See what I mean? The one thing about about that day, Mike Peters kind of took it upon himself to be the MC and basically did an interaction with the audience and give back gave backgrounds to all all the songs. And it was kind of like I don't want to say game show host, but it was or 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 talk talk show host. Probably a, a, a better. Like t-
0: like tour guide maybe.
1: Yeah, tour guide. You know that, that's that's a that's a, that's a great that's a great way to put it and just kind of being the guide through through the album and basically. That's so, really cool. He's talking to people in the audience and he's actually asking the band members questions about the songs again, like uh like a talk show host.
0: <laughs> wow, that's very cool. I I mean I've heard I've heard the recording of one of these. Um, they did a couple, didn't they?
1: They did a. Early session and a late session.
0: Okay, so they, yeah, they did two on the same day, that's right. And um, it, Now, it, you being there, it seemed like from the recording that the, the audience was asked not to applaud or, or make noises between songs. Is that correct?
1: That is correct, but if uh, you listen to the recording, there is a bit where that uh, doesn't happen, and there's a <laughs> bit of an explanation to that. The original plan was that if you went to the early session, you got a recording of that. You went to the late session, you got a recording of that. But as things happen in a a live session some bits were better than others so basically what they ended up with was a compilation of you know took the best bits from the early session the best bits from the late session And Uh, and as an added bonus they added in a couple songs that were obviously recorded but weren't meant to be on the actual cd so the rule against audience participation wasn't strictly enforced so if you listen to the end of The crossing, you can hear people clapping and cheering, which, you know what, under the circumstances may be totally appropriate.
0: Yeah, how could you not?
1: And the one thing to bring about, uh, to bring up, to people who are big country historians, was that the original bass player, Mr. Wishart, was was in the audience there and answered a few questions himself.
0: Really? Did he did he finally set the record straight about Clive Parker inventing um, the Celtic sound, Celtic I, guitar sound?
1: I don't believe that came up. <laughs>
2: Uh, there's always next time
0: yeah that's another one that's great that's a that's a great recording by the way um it sounds fantastic i i really am impressed by the by them doing that and and that kind of leads us into you know the big next big thing i mean the reason they did that is because uh february 4th um according to spine's timeline the crossing 30th anniversary two cd deluxe edition came out and um interestingly enough that's what inspired me to to do the first podcast so uh, that's, that's what I did the first podcast on all by myself. We'll have to go back and do a, another one at some point where Swine And I both revisit the crossing, but, uh, yeah, that's what inspired me. I mean, I was really, I was really inspired by that release. I mean, again, these songs I've heard a million times, but the, the packaging of that was, was great. Uh, the, the, yeah. the song choices were great. We even got some new demos that I'd never heard before. And, um, and we've got the song we could laugh, which, uh, was like a really old recording that i don't think i'd ever heard before maybe once or twice but i never didn't have a version of it
4: so, what's um,
2: interesting what's interesting with that song is if you look at the lyrics it's almost like they could be written at the end of their career looking back at the career of big country so it's it's insane yeah. really that one of the first songs and it ends up being like a look back of years of big country so that, you know, i never thought turned, of
0: that, that but turned, you're exactly right <laughs>
2: So they followed up this album with uh, the Crossing the Country tour in February. And uh, after that, we're moving along. Uh, There's a string of gigs during the summer. Uh, It seems like they play a lot of festivals. There's the Hard Rock Cafe gig, Hard Rock Calling, Pink Pop, Crop Ready, um, and a bunch of uh, of stuff all over the place. And uh, then uh, it gets a little quiet and you start hearing the rumblings. And uh, in September, the news breaks. And we already talked about this, you know, Ian Grant stepped down as manager, Antonio leaves the band, Dirk Forbes joins, Uh, there's all sorts of announcements and uh, things being said, but basically, um, if you leave aside those things, this is the start of the journey, and I guess that's the new slogan and uh, the new thing they're going forward with, you know, join the journey, be part of the journey,
0: the journey starts here. Right. And I mean, for me, you know, going back a little bit, the the first, I'm interested in you guys, but the first rumblings that I really noticed were, um, was the the whole issue with the banners. Uh, that that's gonna go down in big country history, I think, right up there with the, the fragile thing, uh, CD <laughs> single fiasco where that they, they said it had the packaging had too many folds to be considered for, for chart, uh, action or whatever, but um. You know, we're talking about Mike Peters putting up banners for his charity, Love, Hope, and Strength, at a big country show, and apparently Ian Grant was upset by this because I, I believe, you know, as Fine said earlier, we don't want to put words in anyone's mouth. This is just me saying what I think is the case from things I've read. But um, apparently Ian thought that Mike should have asked permission to do this first. I don't know if he should have, if he thought he should have asked Ian's permission, but uh, clearly the band was fine with it and. You know, this caused a lot of friction between Mike and Ian that perhaps was already there. I don't know, but uh, whatever was there, this really brought it bubbling to the surface, and I think sparked the beginning of the end. And and what really surprised me was this was the first time that I noticed Bruce on the main site really openly criticizing Ian in a very very hostile way. I mean that that surprised me, and that really. Sh- gave me a window into the way that they were feeling about Ian at the time. I mean, Bruce was very, very pissed off about it. And, um, you know, Ian kind of apologized. I remember Bruce even said, somebody needs to apologize for this. And a couple of days later, Ian gave kind of a, I don't want to say half-hearted, but it wasn't like an over-the-top apology. He kind of said that, you know, it was kind of one of those we both were wrong type of apologies. And um, so that that was when I first noticed that things were were a little bit amiss, and you know it kind of it must have really deteriorated from there. But
2: uh, yeah, and uh, this is pretty much out in the open. We don't really need to go to anyone. You know, uh, it was put out there by various people, so um, so we know it happened. and All right. the reasons why it happened.
0: Might, well, Mike might Mike himself and Mike himself posted a blog about it like the day after and was very very he didn't, upfront he didn't go about in, it.
2: No he was not upfront about it, but uh, the thing with Mike is he posted such a passionate blog the day before about how he saw big country going forward and his visions for it and such a positive thing about the band and uh, then the day it happened uh, right. he simply wrote there is no beauty here you know sorry you know, something's happened uh, I don't feel like writing anything today and he kept it really short and that's not how it was leaked out. That came out on the the bulletin board through other people. Exactly. Uh, it, it it became apparent what it was about. So. Well, I, I don't uh, mean that he
0: was necessarily upfront about the details, but it, to get that kind of a, a post from Mike Peters that was so dark and It, and it was it was
2: very noteworthy indeed. Very that, noteworthy. Yeah,
0: exactly. It was Extremely. very out of character for him.
2: Yes, definitely. So uh, you knew this was serious. What the hell has happened? Right. One day he writes about the future of big country and how how he saw it and how this was the beginning. And it was really, you know, when Mike feels something, he feels it with every ounce of breath in his body. And that's what it was. And then the next day, it was like you never saw anything like that from him ever before. So you knew that this was serious. You knew that this was not just some, he wasn't feeling good that day. This was uh, something that happened very clearly. And
0: it didn't come out what had happened. Exactly. And and that's when I really remember feeling sad and like just thinking, come on, you know, guys, I really, you know, don't screw this up now because as we've, we've already talked about the songs and I think generally you'd all agree that we're all pretty favorable with the, with what they're doing and looking forward to an album with, with a lot of anticipation. So, you know, when that happened, the thought of this all suddenly falling apart was very, very distressing. So, you know, it's a shame that Tony seems to be a casualty of, in, in some respects, I mean, there may, I'm sure there's a lot more to it than that, but To some respects, he's sort of a casualty of 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 this, I believe. But, um, you know, I'm I'm glad that at least it's been resolved in some respect, and that the band is still going forward, even even in the form that they're continuing in. Mm. But, uh, yeah, so
2: yeah, for sure, it's hard to not think of Bruce saying, "We can't work with this guy," and Tony (laughs) at the same time says, "You know, he's my friend, and uh, he will continue to manage me." And it seems on the surface, that the break could be about business. I don't think it's just about that, but uh, it's hard to imagine that this wasn't discussed on some level there.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you would think it has, it has to be. I mean, the band's official statements are that Tony told them months before that he was retiring, um, and it kind of made it seem like he was growing weary of the whole thing. But, I mean, Tony's si- to be honest, Tony's silence on the matter speaks volumes about it because he said, I think in his, his statement... Um, in fact, I have it right here. Let me let me grab it real quick. Um, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but when Tony left, he says, "I'm announcing my retirement from the band as of now. I have no wish to declare any reasons other than my time with the group has come to an end." <laughs> so it's that's like, no
2: reason. It's nothing.
0: That, yeah, it's like no reason at all. So I yeah. mean, th- as I say, that speaks volumes that there's something going on there. That uh,
2: yeah, this is this, it's it's the same as a no comment.
0: Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it, it's a shame, but. You know, we we do at least have some comfort in knowing that they seem to be amicable to some degree. And uh, you know, as you said, yeah. Tony has offered to master the album. That's a that's a great gesture on his part.
2: Yeah, I'm really happy with that. Yeah, me too. It, it makes a big difference.
0: It really does. I mean, just something like that makes a huge difference because just the thinking about Tony sitting out there being angry that big country is continuing without him that would really color the way that i viewed the 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 band going forward too and it would it would kind of you know tamper with that so i hope that they can i hope it's not just for show's sake i hope that they really are you know even though they obviously have some sort of disagreement where ian's concerned i hope that they you know can hold on to that friendship at least And, and let's speaking of ian let's read his comment here when when he he stopped managing the band. He says, after 31 years, I will be ceasing my management role with big country where new activity is concerned. I shall continue to deal with their heritage, working with the new representative of Stewart Adamson's estate. I will continue to represent Tony Butler. I bear no malice to the continuing band and wish them well. Life is too short to be fussing and fighting. And those uh, apostrophes are his, not mine. So, um, yeah. So, you know, we, there's obviously a lot going on behind the scenes that, that we don't know. And, uh, you know, maybe it'll come out at some point, but
2: um, yeah. If he had left out the last sentence, it would be great. You know, if, does he need to say life's too short to fuss and fight? You know, it's uh, it's kind of like yeah, you know, I'll I'll be above that sort of thing. You know, right, right, right. <laughs> so um, yeah, you know, I know what he means. And uh, you know, to be honest, Bruce was very harsh in putting it out there. And uh, we can't work with this guy. And uh, he has dubious dealings with so and so, and we uh, we
0: don't trust so and so, but. You know. Well, Bruce, Bruce called him disgusting and immoral and probably illegal. <laughs> that's what he—that's how he characterized Ian's actions. Yeah, saying it was disgusting, immoral, and probably illegal. So, I mean, you know, yeah, he—he he was to say that he was very forthcoming and uh, very harsh would be an understatement because he, yeah, it shocked me actually. Actually, and I, I kind of go back and forth as to whether or not I think he should have made a post like that so public. But um, on one hand, I. I it's just part of Bruce Watson. You know, he's a very honest guy, an open guy. And, um, you know, but at, at the same time, I kind of feel like I understand Tony when he said later that he wished, you know, Dirty Laundry wasn't aired in public. And, you know, maybe yeah, it would and, be best not, uh, to, not to do that.
2: Yeah, and he even went on to say, if you criticize Ian, you criticize me, which I thought yeah. was, ooh, that's, yeah. uh, that, you know, that that's the one that's a bit over the top for me. <laughs>
0: you
2: know, I can understand, you know, if, I, th- I always thought Ian was more Stewart's friend than the band's friend. Uh, clearly, that doesn't seem to be the case anymore. You know, He must have been friends with Tony, at least, or grown that friendship into something. But um, uh, the right. Watson's, I'm not sure.
0: Well, you know, the wild card here is Mark Brzezicki. I would love to get his feelings on this. I mean, obviously, he's staying with the band, so one can either assume that he is an agreement with Bruce or that he's just uh, yeah. sitting the fence and just wants to keep doing it and doesn't want to get so involved in the in the business side of things but
2: yeah I uh, think he just wants to play yeah yeah I, I'm, I'm actually quite certain he just wants to play
0: yeah he doesn't seem necessarily like someone who would really get all deeply entrenched in that kind of stuff but uh, nah. who knows I mean it depends on what it's about so but yeah. it, we should we should mention that the band does have a new manager now his name is Tom Vitorino. Um, the interesting thing about this that gives me a lot of hope is that he's an American and he's based in California. Ooh. Um, yes. How can that give you hope? <laughs> well, it gives me, <laughs> exactly. I'm hoping that that maybe they will finally play over here. We will we will see, but um, you know their their recent Facebook Q and A uh, that they 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 had a really nice open conversation with fans for a couple hours where I think Bruce and Mike and occasionally Jamie answered a lot of questions. And um, they they, they seem to make – say a couple of times that they were planning on playing in the states and they really wanted to play here. I've heard that many times before, but um, I'm hoping that uh, this new setup will enable them to do that. And in fact, Mike says this, these are Mike's words about the new manager. He says he has incredible experience representing a band with a similar situation with regard to Stuart Adamson, Jim Morris slash Jim Morrison, because he represents the the Doors going on without Jim Morrison. And is also incredibly forward-thinking and inspiring to us as individuals. Fate has brought us together in recent weeks via Bruce speaking with him on Derek Forbes' radio show. And it never ceases to amaze me how all our lives have been thrown together by circumstance. Um, he's based in California and is a huge fan of the band from the Crossing era. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, hopefully that will yield good things for them. Sure. So as we wrap this thing up, I mean, let's just talk a little bit about some of the some of the things that they said in that Facebook discussion. Um, just some interesting things that uh, that I wanted to hit on. Uh, they said they, they have I'm just going to go through them really quick here. Then you can jump in and add whatever you want. Uh, Mike said they have more than a dozen songs written so far. Um, and, and this is typical Mike Peters, which which just makes him even more endearing. He says in this new adventure, I hope every album saw so, and song recorded by Big Country can be played at some point. <laughs> every yeah. album and every song. He says, I know that I speak for all of the band when I say we are here for the long term. Let's continue this new momentum and set up a proper Big Country Club weekend where the history of the band can be explored more more deeply. So it sounds like he's almost going to start like a, a gathering for Big Country. Yes. Yeah, which could be very cool. And and this is very cool too. He said um someone mentioned Tall Ships Go and he said Tall Ships Go is a fantastic song and definitely one that I hope we play soon. Funnily enough, Mark Brzecki and I were talking about this the other day. So look at that. There's actually hope that the song Tall Ships Go might finally be played live, which would be a great thing for big country, long-term big country fans.
2: But you won't be there, and no one will put it up on YouTube.
0: I know. Someone better put that up on YouTube. You, you <laughs> people better put that damn thing up on YouTube. That's all I can say if I'm not there because that will really piss us off
2: it'll piss tom off yeah ah, me too i want to <laughs> hear that song it's one of those songs that everybody i think kind of had come to terms with it not being played we sort of understood it it wasn't in the cards and uh, suddenly it is in the cards and i guess this is part of the new journey anything's
0: possible exactly and speaking of that's fine why don't you share what they said uh, in response to your question about big country doing more epics
2: Oh, yeah. Well, I don't have it in front of me, like perhaps you do, but uh, do. yeah, so why don't you read it?
0: Okay, well, uh, Svein had asked uh, if the band was ever planning to do some more epic type of songs, you know, in the vein of Man and The Crossing, that kind of thing. And Mike responds, funnily enough, Bruce just said to me the other day that it's time to write some more adventure songs. So yes, a return to Man territory is underway. Like you, I can't wait to see what unfolds. Thanks for all your great alarm support, by the way. Cheers, Mike. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty cool it, news. It's
2: kind of sad. He knows who supports him and not. I'm <laughs> on his good side.
0: Well, no, it shouldn't be sad because there, there could still be thousands of people. Knowing Mike, he probably knows each one of them by name, <laughs> probably has mowed half of their lawns.
2: Yeah, and, uh, he, he sent me a Christmas card last year.
0: <laughs> yeah, you said that. It
2: that's, did. That's yeah incredible. That, I didn't expect that at all. So that's, uh, you know, I'm sure he sat there, you know, and Jules saying, come to bed, Mike. And no, you know, I still got some fans left <laughs> to write cars. It's, you know, we joke about it, but that's yeah. how
0: he is. It's fantastic. It, it, it is, is
2: fantastic. So, uh, yeah, you know, I hope some of that can rub onto the activities the band do. And certainly, you know, he's open to anything. You know, I think any question he answered, it was. Yes, we might be able to do that. And uh, that's what I love about him. But, you know, is there enough times in the day and hours in the day? Um, Time will show. I know. Uh, And I want to read a couple of things too. this. These are from Bruce from the official site. Um, Questions asked about the new album, which is obviously what we're waiting for. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think it's pretty much a given that Bill Nelson is going to be producing uh, they're going to
0: record it at Andy New Love Studio on the outskirts of Hull. Well, actually, you know, I, I asked not to interrupt, but I asked Bruce about Bill Nelson and he said, we hope Bill will produce a few songs, but we may go for a few producers as a lot of bands do that now. So who knows? Maybe they'll have multiple producers for this album.
2: Yeah, I, I guess plans change every week. That, I call that the mic effect. <laughs> <laughs> anything, yeah. can, anything can happen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, they'll be ready to rock. Uh, you know, closer to the, to the end of the year. And uh, he was hoping to put some edited downloads on the side soon to let us hear. That is probably more likely to happen now that they control their own new destiny themselves.
4: Very cool.
2: Uh, he says they will not release tracked it with youth, which I guess is home of the brave. It wasn't really finished due to the power cut. So they will also re-record another country with Bill as it has developed live. So that's interesting. Oh, nice. Uh, see how that will go. Yeah. Uh, Another record company, other than Track, I guess that's sort of happened now that they're part of the way with E, and it's going yeah. to be a new record company.
3: You gotta expect that.
2: Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, when does the recording start? Uh, basically, when everybody's available. Mark has some dates. Mike has some alarm dates. Uh, he is incidentally coming to Norway, so I look forward to that soon.
4: Yes, definitely.
0: Uh,
2: so, uh, Jamie and Bruce also has some dates to fulfill. Should be happening around the, these times. And uh, Bill has a convention booked. So uh, this is a month ago, but he saw the album getting recorded in November, December, and then released next year, perhaps March. So we'll see if that still holds true. Uh, if so, it's about
0: four or five months away. That would be a great birthday present for me.
1: It's always about you.
0: Always. <laughs> <laughs> John yeah, lives. Listen, John lives. He speaks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, just getting to what you guys were, were talking about the the online chat. Uh, I know Derek wasn't wasn't a part of part of it that night, but if you're a Facebook friend of his and if you follow the Big Country bulletin, bulletin board, Bruce Watson has put up on the board that the two of them with Jamie obviously are are collaborating and they've been in sessions writing. And I think today, well, today the day we're recording this, Derek is up in Dunfermline firm with Bruce and Jamie working on some stuff. So we have, uh, that, that to look forward to as well.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. And, and a nice thing I'll say about Derek Forbes. Um, he really, uh, acquainted himself well to, to, or, you know, to the big country audience, I think, because there was a, there was someone who had, had been making some posts on Facebook, uh, really reflecting what a lot of fans had felt, I think saying that they didn't know if they could keep supporting the band without Tony. And, and they felt like Tony had been left behind and this type of thing. And Derek Forbes responded to this guy personally. And the reason that I know this and that many of you guys might know this too is that he the guy in question posted Derek Forbes' response. And it was a very nice, classy response, and it was basically him saying, you know, look, I understand that I'm coming into this, uh, something that you already hold dear. I'm just paraphrasing him, by the way, and saying that I under he said, you know, I understand Tony and Tony's an incredible bass player, big shoes for me to fill. Um, but I he, he said that he does have a connection to Stewart in that um, Stewart worked with him a little bit during the skids days and at one point wanted him to play some bass on some of the early big country demos and that that did not happen but Stewart had asked him that so so basically you know he was a, it was a very classy response it, it made me feel you know good about this guy and he has a connection to Stewart as well and to the band from its early days so that's that should give us all hope that he's got you know a good insight into what makes big country big country and that he's going to, you know, keep true to that spirit. It's not going to be Tony. It's going to be someone different. We got to give the guy a chance and see what he can do. He's obviously an accomplished guy in his own right. It's going to be, you know, as he himself said, huge shoes to fill. We're going to miss Tony greatly, but, uh, you know, we'll see what this guy brings. It'll, it'll be, it'll be interesting.
1: Like like I said, er, like earlier in the show, you know, if you were going to choose a replacement for Tony Butler to fit into a band like big country, Derek Forbes will be on the top of anybody's list.
0: So that's about it, guys. Thanks for uh, thanks for being with us. And, um, John, thank you so much for being our guest these last two episodes. I mean, we hope to have you back again on a, on a future episode. Um,
1: uh, thank you so much for, for having me. It, uh, it's, it's been a pleasure. And I, like you said, hopefully I'll be back soon and add something to the uh, – Add something to the conversation.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, we 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 really really have to give John a lot of props. I mean, not only do we refer to his his site quite a bit in all of our research, but I mean, he provided us with a lot of great stuff that we had you know forgotten about, especially to do the last episode um, and and reminded us about all these different bands that the that the members had been associated with and th- stuff that had been recorded. So I'm still listening to all that stuff. So it's been great. So. Yeah.
2: It yeah, was so, really John it was thanks to John that the Baroniers became non-baron. Exactly.
0: Yeah, it, other if it wasn't wasn't for John that would have been a very short episode and not much played there so we really do appreciate it. And us
1: You've got and thank you.
0: No, no problem. Thank you.
2: You know, we like having you on, you know.
0: Yes, we do. JF and G.
4: Bad boys, bad boys. What going to do? What you going to do?
0: next episode is going to be our milestone episode 10. We don't know what we're going to be talking about yet. Um, Wouldn't surprise me if we go back to the old school big country and, and start with another classic album talking about it, but we'll see what we're going to do, but it's going to be the big 10th episode. So we'll keep you posted on when that's coming. And in the meantime, visit us on Facebook, uh, big country podcast uh, at gmail.com is the email address. And uh, that's about it. So thanks so much for listening. And we will see you next time.
2: Keep on trucking.
0: Check it out.
1: And we're out. <laughs> Clear.